This is a Holy Baptist Church podcast, bringing you into a community in which everyone is welcome, lives are changing, and Jesus is King. Thanks for listening with us today. We would invite you to subscribe so you can keep up to date with us. But for now, we pray you enjoy listening for what God has in store for you in this episode, and that it helps change your life for the better in Jesus' name. Enjoy. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 1 to 12. So I reflected on all this and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands, but no man knows whether love or hate awaits him. All share a common destiny, the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. As it is with the good man, so with the sinner. As it is with those who take oaths, so with those who are afraid to take them. This is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of men, moreover, are full of evil, and there is madness in their hearts while they live, and afterwards they join the dead. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, and even the memory of them is forgotten. Their love, their hate, and their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. Go, eat your food with gladness, and drink your wine with a joyful heart. For it is now that God favors what you do. Always be clothed in white, and always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all your meaningless days. For this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labor under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the grave where you are going, there is neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. Moreover, no man knows when his hour will come, as fish are caught in a cruel net or birds taken in a snare so men are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly on them. Thanks, David. Um, I'm having a bit of a mare when it comes to sermon choices recently, I'll tell you. I um, last, last week I was at Forest Row and I phoned Debbie up who sorts these things out and she said, uh, I said, what's the subject? And she said, it's 1 Peter chapter 3, wives obey your husbands. <laughs> Thanks a bunch, I said. And this week, I come to Hawley, and it's, uh, what's the subject, Martin? It's, you're all going to die, which is equally cheery, isn't it, really? Bit of a minefield, but there you go. Um, I was re- reading Ecclesiastes, can be a bit, it reminded me of a story that Billy Graham used to tell, and it was the story of a policeman who climbed the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco to talk down a potential suicide. And the policeman 
told him his problems couldn't be that bad. The policeman told him that it could be all sorted out in a better way than this. Why didn't he just share his problems, get it off his chest, and then we can both go home? They began to talk. Half an hour later, they both threw themselves off the, uh, off the bridge. Ecclesiastes can feel a bit like that. Have you read it? Have you taken it home and read it? Seriously, go through it. And it can feel a little bit like that. But please do not jump prematurely okay just hold on um although it often sounds like bad news ecclesiastes it is what we need in our weird world that we live in we need a shot in the arm not just of the covid vaccine hope you've got yours but also of reality of the real world that we live in and we need that sometimes don't we too often we avoid facing reality because it's a bit tough Reality is not very pleasant. We're a bit like the parent who doesn't want to tell the kids that the family dog has died. Have you ever had to do that? We just tell them, well, Shep has gone to live on a farm. He's going to be chasing rabbits all day, and it's going to be lovely with sunsets and scenery and all the rest of it. The writer to the Ecclesiastes, however, would never say that to his kids. He would simply say, you know that dog we had? It's dead. That's what he would say. Ecclesiastes has one basic message. Here it is. It's on the screen. There you go. Isn't that cheerful? Aren't you glad you came? Meaningless. Meaningless. Everything is utterly meaningless. That's his basic message. But something gets lost in translation. I was grateful to Martin for sending me a little video of something that was really useful. I'd never seen it before. Um, and it basically, the word he in Hebrew for meaningless is not quite what it appears in English. English has got limited vocabulary. Hebrew has a little bit of nuance to it. And the word actually, if the next slide, the word is hevel. Meaningless is the Hebrew word hevel. Hevel, hevel, says the teacher. Utterly hevel, everything is hevel. It's used 38 times in this book. It's one of the major themes. It literally means smoke or vapor. Everything is smoke or vapor. And he's using the word to describe your experience and my experience of life. And isn't it a bit like that? Life is fleeting. Life is temporary. It appears solid, doesn't it? But you try and get a hold of it and it just slips through your fingers. I remember 10 years ago, I was diagnosed with um, a heart condition. Out the blue, I was doing everything right. I don't drink excessively. I don't smoke except Well, I don't smoke. Um, I was doing everything right. I even, at that point in my life, I was even going to the gym twice a week. Never done that. I go into the gym twice a week, and then I get a heart condition. You think, where did that come from? Just when things looked solid and I thought I was doing all the right stuff, it's just slipped through your fingers. It's confusing. It's also confusing and unpredictable. That's what Hevel means. Like smoke, it's confusing and unpredictable. When you're in a fog, when you're in a room full of smoke, you can't see where you are. You can't see what's going on. And life is like that. It's Hevel. He's not saying life is meaningless. He's saying its meaning is often never clear. Sometimes you're just going, what? What was that about? 
life is like that, isn't it? And you think you've got a handle. This is always a fool's errand, isn't it? If you think you've got a handle on life and how it works, good luck with that. Because something's going to happen next week which will blow it out the water, which will destroy the formula you have created. Life is like that. It's like smoke. You think it's solid and you've got it, and it just goes through your fingers. That's what he's saying. He's saying that life comes with no guarantees. Now, that's difficult for us, isn't it? Because we live in a consumer society, and everything comes with a guarantee, doesn't it? John Lewis gives you two years. Everything's got a guarantee. If something goes wrong, we complain to the management and we get it fixed. But life isn't like that. How many times when I got my heart condition, I complained to the management. What are you doing? Nothing. No response. There you go, Phil. Off you go. Didn't get it fixed. Still not fixed. NHS is trying to keep me going. That's good. But it's still not fixed. Life is like that. I don't get a refund. I haven't got a new heart so far. I just go on with what I've got and enjoy the life I've got. The teacher in Ecclesiastes says this, there is, unlike the guarantee on your average Duracell battery, which guarantees a certain lifetime, unfortunately, there's no guarantee on our lives. There isn't one. There's no guarantee on how long it will last. Here's what he says. Have a look at this on the screen. We all share a common destiny, the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. You know what he's talking about. In the hospital right now, uh, I'm a chaplain in a hospital. In the hospital right now, I've got some patients who are on end-of-life care. That's what that's the term they use, end-of-life care. It comes to us all. Um, and they're in their 90s. And you think, yeah, that's probably about right. That's probably about right. But there are also some people that I'm seeing who are in their end-of-life care who are 28, 45, 60. It doesn't feel right, does it? But it's the truth. It's given me a whole new perspective on the fragility of our lives working in a hospital, of my life and yours. The New Testament echoes what we already know to be true. Listen to this, James chapter 4. Now listen, you say, tomorrow or today, I will go and do this. I will go to this city or that city. I'll spend a year there. I'll carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are missed. That's almost that word again, Hevel, isn't it? You are missed. It appears for a little while. And then vanishes. We don't like to think about that, but life is quite frail. And you can make all the plans you want, and you can make take all the contingencies. You can go to the gym twice a week, but tomorrow cannot be known. Death is the most dramatic illustration of that, and life, unlike the rest of our consumer society, life does not come with a guarantee. And life comes with no guarantee about it being trouble-free either, does it? I mean, if you buy a Kenwood blender, you assume it will not cause you GBH when you try and dice a carrot 
don't you? You assume it will work properly and not cause you harm. No such guarantee with life. There isn't. There really isn't. Ecclesiastes 9, verse 1. So I reflected on all this and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands, but no man knows whether love or wait awaits him. Love or hate awaits him. We just don't know. There's no guarantee it's going to be trouble-free. Ecclesiastes 9, verse 12. A fish, as a fish is caught in a cruel net, or birds are taken in a snare, so men are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly on them. We don't get a free pass. Now, that's weird, isn't it? Because this applies to Christians and non-Christians. It, it applies to all sorts of people, irrespective of how they've lived their life, whether they've tried to live a good life or whether they haven't cared about living a good life. To listen to some Christians, you would think that becoming a Christian gets you a free pass from adversity, from illness, from financial disasters, from stress. And some traditions of the Christian faith have edged that way, haven't they, with prosperity gospels and stuff like this. They give you the impression that you will never, ever have to carry an umbrella. Good luck with that in the UK. While everyone else gets soaked, you will walk in a shaft of light. But we live in a fallen world and an environment that affects us all. And I think we've learned in the last few years that viruses don't distinguish between people who've lived a good life and people who haven't. Nor does the stock market, nor does the weather. And in an odd sort of way, that's a little bit comforting to me. Some Christians think that when accidents or tragedy uh, befall them, that um, they assume they've angered God or they've done something wrong or, you know, uh, that God's punishing them for something that they're not quite sure about. But Ecclesiastes says it might not be about that at all. It happens to the good the bad equally he says david hubbard writes this we cannot look at what happens to us in the ups and downs of life and tell from them how god feels about us that's really important to know a lot of us have what's called circumstantial theology life is good god loves me life is lousy god hates me that is not true your circumstances do not dictate who God is. It's living in a broken, imperfect world. And that's what you're experiencing. Because it happens to good and bad alike. There's no guarantee, is there, that you get this trouble-free life, says the writers of the Ecclesiastes. There's also no guarantee about success. That if I do everything right, it'll all work out right. Wherever the teacher looks, he's surprised to see that success is not guaranteed and regardless of your ability or your talent or your effort or your intellect or your dedication to it, it's not guaranteed. Verse 11. Verse 11 says this, the race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all and we know it's true don't we you know it's true this is your experience you can do it all right you can work harder than everybody around you 
You can have more talent in your little finger than the entire room full of people, but there is no guarantee of success. And the preacher is telling you what you already know, that life can be really unpredictable. Is that your experience? It can be, can't it? Really unpredictable. Now, if you read Proverbs, which is another wisdom book, and you have to read three books. You have to read Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Job. They're the wisdom books. You have to read all three to get a handle on this. And if you just read Proverbs, um, you'll think that life isn't random, that there's a clear cause and effect, that if I do the right thing, that I will get rewarded for it. There's a general theme of that in Proverbs, that if you act with the wisdom of God and you honor God in your life, it will work out. The classic verse that we all love to, to read, isn't it? Which is Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways. Submit to him, acknowledge him and his ways, and he will make your path straight. Cause and effect. Do the right thing, honor God. It'll all work out. But the writer of Ecclesiastes wants you to know that's general wisdom and there's truth about that. There is cause and effect. What you sow, you will probably reap. But it doesn't always work out like that. There's a spanner in the machine. There's a, a glitch in the system. And sometimes you can do it all right. And sometimes it just doesn't work out. Both are true. It's not either or, is it? Both facts are true. Sometimes you can do it all right and it blows up in your face. How many of you have probably, I don't know, let's give you an uh, you've been at work and you've seen something wrong and you've stood up for God, you've honoured God, you've honoured integrity, you've told the truth and it punched you in the face. You haven't been respected. It's, you know, you, your job prospects have taken a nosedive. You've tried to do the right thing. You've tried to do the right thing by God, and it hasn't worked. Not for you. And sometimes life's like that, isn't it? It can blow up in your face doing the right thing. Sort of did for Jesus, didn't it? They crucified him for doing the right thing. Often our greatest disappointments in life from, come from some very unreasonable expectations about what life is all about. Our failure to realize that Proverbs, you know, Proverbs isn't a promise. Proverbs is a proverb. Proverbs isn't a promise. It's a proverb. It's general wisdom. But there are moments when it doesn't work. There are glitches in the system. You've been told that two and two make four. You've been told that if you do A, B, and C, that D will happen. But life isn't a maths lesson. Life isn't a join the dots picture. Life just isn't that logical sometimes. And we don't get the answers we expect. And we don't get the picture that we'd hoped for. So what do you do with all that? What do you do with all that? What's the point if there are no guarantees in life? I think we should do what Jesus did. 
He was someone who knew that life is short, 33 years to be precise. And here's the difference. Unlike you and me who don't know when it's going to happen, he did. He knew it was going to be cut short and in the most unfair way, in the most unjust way for someone who'd done everything right. What did he do? Here's someone whose life was hard, who, whose financial life was hard, whose material life was hard, who didn't have a, a roof over his head most of his life, whose emotional life was hard. Dealing with those 12 disciples, that would give you a bit of an emotional kick, wouldn't it? But bless him, dealing with Peter half the time, great fun. But here was someone who didn't achieve even the world's definition of success. When he left, there was a small group of followers, and apparently that was it. And staggeringly enough, he knew all of this, unlike us, he knew all of this, and he still did it anyway. He still squeezed the juice out of every single day. He lived life, and he lived it passionately, and he lived it to the full, knowing all that was about to befall him. And that's the writer's advice. He says this, whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. Just throw yourself in there. Be like the England rugby team. You might lose by one point, but leave it all out on the pitch. And they did. No regrets. You walk off at the end of the match, you're not going to get a trophy. Okay. But you put it all out there. That's the way to live your life. Why did Jesus bother? Why did he do it? Why did Jesus live the life he did despite the disappointments and all that he knew was going to happen and all the unfairness and the shortness and the briefness and the randomness of it all? What did, what did he do? Hebrews 12 tells us. Look at this. Hebrews 12. Let's fix. This is what we should do. Fix your eyes on Jesus, who for the, oh, this is why, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorned its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him so you won't grow weary, so that you won't lose heart. Squeeze the juice out of life for the joy set before you. And if there's ever a bunch of people who have some joy set before them, it's you. If you're a believer and a follower in Jesus, you have a joy set before you. You cannot, the Bible says, even imagine. You can do your best to try and imagine what is before you. You will not do it. No mind has seen nor has the, the, the heart of man conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. For the joy set before you, squeeze every little bit of juice out of the life that he's given you and live it. Live for something bigger, something better. Live for that. Have we forgotten what it is to live for someone else? To live for something else, something bigger than our own personal lives. Jesus hadn't. Isn't that what a Christian is supposed to do in this fleeting and temporary and random and unpredictable world? Shouldn't we live for something that is not fleeting, that is not temporary, that is not random? And that is not unpredictable. Seek first his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom. 
And if I'm living for something bigger and better, I'll squeeze all the goodness out of life. And it doesn't matter what happens. I'll work towards the joy set before me. This life is a gift of God. Yeah, there are no guarantees. As such, I should live it for him and for this kingdom with all my might, just like Jesus did. And the other thing he says you should do is you should live in the moment. Live in the moment. Now, I struggle with this one. I don't know about you. I get up some mornings and I'm a bit grumpy. I'm more of an evening person, I've got to be honest. My wife is a morning person, so she talks to me and I go, Ugh. I'm just a bit grumpy. So I'm not very good on a morning. And some mornings, I don't know about you, do you ever get up and you just think, I've just got to get through the day? You ever thought, has that ever crossed your mind? Just got to get through the day. I'm sometimes like that. Working for the last three years in a hospital has slightly changed that because I see people who don't have a day. And I'm thinking, I better not waste this one then. It might be the last one I ever have. I better not waste it. I better not just get through it. Live for the moment. This is what he says. Uh, if you read the next verse, Ecclesiastes 9, 7. Go, eat your food. I like the sound of that. With gladness, drink your wine. It's getting better, isn't it? And with a joyful heart, for God has already approved what you do. Always be clothed in white. In other words, I mean, modern translation, put on your best bib and tucker. We went on a cruise a little while ago. I had cruise guilt, and now I'm not ha having read Ecclesiastes. I've got cruise guilt anymore. You know what? Life's short. Let's get on with it. Um, and we, I, had to, I had to buy a dinner jacket. I've never worn a dinner jacket. That was the first dinner jacket I've ever owned. It was great fun. Buy yourself a dinner, dinner jacket, gents. Go for it. And a bow tie. You look like James Bond. Go, well, some of you will. The rest of you will be a valiant effort. But there you go. Okay. Um, but, you know, put on... Be clothed in white. Anoint your head with oil. Modern translation, gents. You know that aftershave you've been saving for a special occasion. Just start using it, will you? Just put it on because, you know, it might go off after a while. But start using the stuff. Anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love. That's his advice in this random, unpredictable, and short world that we have. Now, most of us are waiting to live. You ever get that feeling that a lot of people are waiting to live? And we fall into that category. I've fallen into that, waiting for the weekend. You know, then I can enjoy myself. I'll enjoy myself for the weekend. Or waiting for the holiday. Or you're waiting for the deal to come off. Or you're waiting for the kids to move out. Or you're... There was a giggle there. That was a bit worrying. Yeah. Stop it, right? Waiting for the kids to move out. Waiting for retirement. <laughs> Bless you. Uh, waiting for... Oh, he keeps moving away from me. Every time I get nearer, Richie Sunak moves it. Um, waiting for retirement. Waiting for the finances to be sorted. Good luck with that one. Um, then life will start, won't it? When all of these things are lined up, then I'll start to enjoy my life. We tell ourselves, don't we, 
So that's what will happen. But life, I don't know if you noticed, life has already started. It's happening. It's happening now. Right now. While you're sat there, life is going on. And we tell ourselves, I'll do it when I have more time. The here's the truth. Here's the truth. A slower day is not coming. Even when you retire, some of you are retired, you know that. A slower day is not coming. The truth is there is never enough time and there is never enough money and there are never enough resources and you never have enough experience. We would never have had kids if I'd have planned it. I know that's a bit too much information really there, but, but we wouldn't. I was never, I don't think I would ever have said, I'm ready for this one. Just sort of happened. I should have listened, paid attention in biology class, shouldn't I? But it just sort of happened. And we tell ourselves we'll do it when everything's lined up and when we're ready and when it's perfect conditions. Um, Ecclesiastes 11, verse 4. This is a great verse. Listen to this. Farmers who wait for perfect weather will never plant. If they watch every cloud, they will never harvest. You can't wait to live. And to do what matters. In our culture, we've made this idol out of excellence, haven't we? We say, well, if you can't do it well, in other words, perfectly, don't do it at all. There's a Greek term for that. Do you know what it is? Rubbish. Well, maybe not Greek, but there you go. But it is rubbish. I think we need to start practicing the good enough principle. And the good enough principle is this. It doesn't have to be perfect. For God to bless it or for you to enjoy it. It doesn't have to be. It's good enough. It's the best you can do at the time. Can we enjoy life now as it is? There's a question. Can you enjoy life as it is right now? Or are you waiting for life as you think it should be or it ought to be? Well, you can't control how it should be, and you can't manipulate how it ought to be. You can't live in the past because that's gone and that's finished. You shouldn't wait for the future because life is unpredictable and it's short. We should enjoy what God has put in front of us today. What, is the, what does it say? This is the day the Lord has made. So what are you going to do with it? should rejoice and be glad in it. And we don't do that. We're always thinking, what's next? Never mind what's next, what's now? What's now? And the writer mentions those sort of things that are now. It's good food, a glass of wine, the colours of autumn, a dab of aftershave, the company of family and friends who you love and who love you. These are happening now, and enjoy them. God has given you them. Mindfulness is a thing that's come to the fore in recent, recent times. I don't know if you've ever joined a mindfulness. You can join mindfulness groups. And mindfulness is basically the art of embracing all the moments of life, pleasant and unpleasant, with acceptance and curiosity. Just saying, here it is. Here's what's going on right now. I accept it and I'm going to look at it and not ignore it or avoid it. 
the ability to be present in the moment, not distracted or thinking about what's next, but just to be there in the moment and realize what's in front of you, to acknowledge and to open up to life as it is now, rather than miss it or avoid it. In other wisdom literature, I'll close with this. Wisdom literature of the Bible tries to answer this question. It tries to answer the question, how do I live well? That's what it's trying to say. How do I live well? Well, the writer of the Proverbs will tell you that if you honor God and you do the right thing, you'll reap what you sow. And he's right. Cause and effect. Reaping and sowing. He's right. Most of the time. And the writer of the Ecclesiastes reminds us for those moments when it doesn't work out like that, when there is an exception to the rule. Life is short. Life is unpredictable. So enjoy what you have in this moment. Enjoy what God has given you. And this is how we should live as well. It's not either or. It's both and. And this is the wisdom that God would have us live by. Here are a few questions to think through. If life is short and uncertain, why are you waiting for something to happen before you start living it? Do you expect life to follow a predictable pattern? But what happens to your faith when it doesn't? And can you enjoy your life as it is, not as you think it should be? What can you enjoy right now or today. That was today's episode of Holy Baptist Church Podcast. We hope it's prompted you to want to follow Jesus, hopefully a lot, but even just a little bit more closely. If you have any questions about what you've heard in today's episode or you want to know more about what it means to follow Jesus, you can email us, gotquestions at hawleybaptist.org.uk. We'd love to hear from you. It would really make our day. If you want to hear more from us, just a reminder, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and you can download the Hawley Baptist Church app from the Apple App Store or Google Play to hear it as well. Simply search Hawley Baptist Church. Thank you again for listening to the Hawley Baptist Church podcast. We pray God will bless you and we'll see you next time.